So I realized as I was prepping for tonight's sermon, I wasn't being true to who I am. Like normally when I jump up on stage back in Fuse or in uh, Crossing Kids or at camp or even sometimes on a main stage, there is a dialogue that I have between me and the audience. And I realize I haven't really done that here at Collective, haven't been true to myself. Some of you guys already know what I'm talking about, but for you guys who don't, I'm going to do that right now with you. I'm going to ask that you lean in with me, because if you don't, it's going to be super awkward, and it's going to be a flop. So what I normally do, whenever I jump up on stage, I say, yo, 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 and you, the audience, yell as loud as you can, yippee-yo, yippee-yay. Sounds simple, right? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch your lips. And whoever doesn't say, I'm going to call you out up here and embarrass you. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. Or maybe I will. Let's see. Here we go. Yo, yo, yo. There we go. You didn't, you didn't. I'm just messing. I'm just messing with you. Awesome. All right. Second thing you need to know, I want to acknowledge this as well. Throw out this little disclaimer is that if I ever say something weird, which happens, I catch myself all the time or other people catch me and they'll point it out, um, or if I mispronounce a, a word, it's because I am still learning, I'm still adapting, as many of you guys know, I'm not from here, so it's still like a learning curve to communicate in a way that you will understand, and so I truly hope that tonight or any other night that I speak, it's not a barrier, my communication to you, uh, speaking God's word and you receiving it. And then lastly, um, while I love coming to speak at Collective, while I love being here um, serving and worshiping with you guys, hanging out with you. If my kids, my children, Cadence, Jude, and Kinley were to ever need me because they were hurt or they just needed their dad, I would drop everything, I would drop what I'm doing here, and I would go to them. No, no, you might be thinking. Dre, what are we, chopped liver? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, you should be making us feel good. But I guarantee if you ask Corey, if you ask John, if you ask any good parent here, they would tell you the same thing. If their kids needed them, they would leave what they're doing, and they would go attend to their children. Uh, yesterday, I was officiating a soccer game right over there by Flynn. It was a, a varsity game, and my, my kids came to the stadium to uh, watch me. They they thought I was playing. <laughs> and so Jude was like, go, Dad, go, run, run. And Kristen was like, no, he's not playing. He's officiating. And Jude doesn't know what officiate means, but he's still cheering me on. And I could hear Jude all the way from the other side of the field. And I kept thinking, man, this kid is running all over the place. Like, they're all the way up top, like by the scores area. Like, it's really high. And I see Jude, and I see Kinley, and they're moving around, and I can hear them playing um, amongst all the noise in the field. And I keep thinking, if something happens to them, where Jude steps the wrong place, has a misstep, falls, hurts himself, and I hear my kids crying, if I hear Jude or, or Kinley's, you know, blood curdling tears, and I, I'm going to blow the whistle, I'm stopping the game, and I'm going to run towards my kids. And I'll apologize to the coaches later, but I'm, I'm a dad first. I care about my kids, and so I'm going to drop everything I'm doing, and I'm going to go to them. And I start the sermon off this way because we're going to be looking at one of the most important relationships tonight, and that's between a father and his children. And Josh did an amazing job. I was watching Josh's sermon last week. If you were here, you would have been blessed 
to be here. If you weren't, um, go back to the Facebook feed or go follow it on the podcast because Josh totally killed it. Um, and he talked about uh, how there's a dichotomy between the flesh and the spirit when he asked the question, who is in the driver's seat of your life? Like there's these two powers fighting for control over your life um, and this dichotomy of living in the light versus living in the shadows. And as we continue tonight, we're going to continue our collective sermon series, and the topic for tonight is we are God's children. We're God's children. And while the word children might not sound appealing to young adults, you don't want to be referred to as a child, let me tell you this, to your parents, you're their children. But not just your, 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 your parents, most importantly, you are God's children. You know, I talk about my relationship and my devotion to my kids early and just how much I love them, how much I care about them, how much I dearly would do anything for them. But you need to know that I'm imperfect, and so I love imperfectly. Sometimes I make mistakes in parenting, and sometimes I honestly wonder if my kids love me the same way that I love them. But when it comes to God, we talk about being God's children. How does God love? Well, God love, his love is perfect. And God's love is uh, gracious. His love is sacrificial. But if you're anything like me, uh, this message will be tough because of your experience with your earthly father. Now, we talk about God being a dad and God being your parent, but if you think about your relationship with your earthly dad, with your father, this message might be hard for you to hear because just bringing this up is bringing up bad emotions and memories. And, and trust me when I say that I get it. Like, it took me uh, hours to write this sermon, and I was dreading it because my relationship with my dad hasn't been great. And so whenever I have to speak on a topic like this, one, I have to make sure I'm very strong and I don't get emotional because it's hard to talk about dad without thinking about uh, my own dad. And maybe you're there right now. Others of you, you, you have a great dad. Like, you're proud of your dad, and you feel like your dad has godlike qualities, and, and, and you, that means a lot to you growing up and, and seeing that in your earthly father. And then there is some of you, maybe not a lot, maybe one or two of you, that have lost your dad. And if you're in the room tonight, I am truly sorry for your loss. And I do pray that tonight you do find comfort, tonight you do find peace, you do find joy, you do find um, love in our Heavenly Father, not just tonight, but tomorrow and, and forever. Which leads me to the passage of Scripture we'll be learning from tonight. You know, like the previous weeks when Corey and Josh were both here, we're going to be learning from the book of Romans, and in particular, chapter Eight, and tonight we're going to be in verse 14 to 17. But before we go into that, a little context. The writer of this book, 
and, and as I'm talking about this, like, if you've been coming to church for a long time, if you would consider yourself, like, a seasoned Christian, uh, I think Romans 8 is going to be, like, the perfect series for you because it's going to go uh, a, a little deeper than, than, than I, I'd say they typically go. Um, but the writer of this text is Paul, and when Paul wrote this, he wasn't writing so that way thousands of years later a group of people would be taking it and preaching from it or maybe posting something on social media about it. When Paul wrote this, he had no idea this would be included in a book of collections of books called the Bible. Number two, Paul didn't think of his writing as a text or as a passage. It was simply a letter because that's exactly what it was. He was writing a letter to a group of Christians living in Rome around 57 AD. And number three, um, they were going through or about to go through some persecution and some identity crisis. And so throughout this letter that Paul wrote to these Romans, he was addressing some of these things, referencing some of these issues throughout his entire letter. And we get to learn from his writings in this first, to this first century audience. And so we're going to put this reference up on the screen. Romans 8, verse 14 to 17. Here's what it says. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. Let me just point out that the challenge of reading passages like this is that it requires some work to really understand what it is saying. Like some of you guys are already lost, right? It's not one of those Bible stories that you like to hear or, or read. It requires a little bit more. So let's break it down as we give some careful thought to it, and let's start with verse 14. Again, it says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I like the word that Paul uses here, this action word, this verb, led, which means to, like, like it's an action verb, which means we're actively being led by the Spirit. We're actively following the Spirit of God. Not that the Spirit of God is out there somewhere and we're observing it from a distance, but we are consciously moving wherever the Spirit of God is leading. Wherever the Spirit of God's will is for our life, that is where we are going. And as we are being led, catch this, we are the children of God. You see, there is a direct correlation between being led by the Spirit, and being children of God. If you're being led by the Spirit, if you're following the Spirit of God, you are a child of God. So here is the hard truth. If what I just said is true, then the opposite also has to be true, that if you are not following the Spirit, you are not a child of God. If you're not being led by the Spirit, if you're not following the Spirit, you're not a child of God. I can say it in another way. If you're not following Christ, you are not a Christ follower. 
If you're not trying to live like Christ, you are not a Christian. Ouch. Here's my first point. Our behavior points to whom we belong. Our behavior points to whom we belong. Don't ever say, I've said this before, and, oh man, don't ever say, I will never be like my dad, or I'll never be like my mom. Because chances are, you will, at least in some ways. Because it's a natural phenomenon. Like, kids become their parents. It's a powerful force. You think of Tarzan, you know, he's being raised by apes, and so he walks like apes, he stands like apes, he communicates like apes, because that's who raises them. His behavior points to who he belonged. But that's fictional, right? That's not real. So, you know, Dre, stop trying to trick me. Well, let's go back to me. Growing up, people would tell me all the time about how much I reminded them of my dad. Like, when I look at you, you're just the splitting image of your dad. You're the splitting image of your grandfather. Like, you walk just like him. You, you talk just like him. You, you smile just like him. Like, everything about you reminds me of your dad. Reminds me of your grandpa who I never, never knew, never met him. And I hated it. I know I'm not supposed to say it. I did not like being compared to my dad. I wanted to be nothing like him. Uh, there wasn't a single attribute that I wanted from my dad. Chances are, again, you're here and you can relate. Chances are you're here and you don't like to be compared to your parents. Well, others of you, like you feel honored. It's a great sense of pride when someone says, you know, you're like your mom or you're like your dad, like you want that correlation so bad. Or maybe you're here and you just don't know what to do when someone pays you that compliment. Because if you're a girl and someone says, you remind me of your dad, (laughs) like, I don't know, what do you do with that? If you're a guy and someone says, hey, dude, you're the, you, you know, like, you have some resemblance to your mom, like, okay, I, I could do without that compliment. Like, what do you do with that? I don't know. But, but for real, though, children are like their parents in that they, they carry their DNA. So there are going to be some traits that you possess. And just like God's children, we are like him in that we carry his spirit. When someone sees us, if we are God's children, we should reflect God-like characteristics. Characteristics. See what I told you earlier? That was going to happen. If we're God's children, we should look like Him. We should act like Him. We should be following Him. But there's a difference between following God and following the rules. There's a difference between following God, following the Spirit, and being led by the Spirit versus. I just want to follow the rules and give people the impression that I am a Christian, I'm doing things the right way, like I'm going to come to collective, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to serve, I'm going to post these things on my social media, I'm going to do everything that makes people think I am this person. When no one else is watching, 
You're not really actively following and pursuing and being led by the Spirit. You call yourself a Christian, but you're not following Christ through His Spirit. And what happens when we do that is we become lost. We become lost in who we are because we're trying to follow rules and maybe e- even abandon the faith. And so while you might be here tonight or watching on this stream or watching later or listening on the podcast, the question you have to ask yourself is this. It's an important question. Are you one of God's children or are you a creation? Are you one of God's children or are you a creation? We are all God's creation. God created all of us. But there's levels to this. And the next level is to become a child of God. Have you been adopted to him by the blood of Jesus Christ? We celebrated what he did a few days ago when he died for your sins, when he was raised from the dead, and now we have life in Christ. Are you bought? Have you been adopted? Are you following and are you being led by the Spirit? Verse 15 says this, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Catch this. You don't have to live in the fear of the punishment of your sins anymore. If you know anything about the Old Testament, like you would know this was true for the people who lived back then, right? But you also need to know this for yourself right now. Even if you've been coming to church for a long time, chances are you forget. You forget that Jesus paid the price for your sins, the sins that you committed today, the sins that you're going to commit later tomorrow, all of those sins have been paid for. You don't have to worry. Like, if you were to die unexpectedly, and you're like, man, what if this happens and I sinned right before? God paid for that sin. He paid the punishment. You don't have to live in that fear. I remember it. I would fear all the time. I'm like, I know I'm not perfect. What happens if I just die and, like, I, I had messed up and I hadn't had time to ask for forgiveness? And I have to be reminded that God paid for your sins in full. The sins that you don't even realize you're doing, God paid for them. And I don't know you, but I don't have to live in that fear anymore. I don't have to be a, a slave to that fear or a slave to my sins. Christ died for them. It goes on to say this, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's a word in there that you probably don't recognize because it's not a part of our English language. It's the word Abba. It's Aramaic for father. So when Paul inserted Abba here, essentially he was saying, Father, Father. He's saying, by this or by him we cry, Father, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. It's an affectionate way to refer to God. The creator of the universe, who is great and mighty, is our Daddy, but it's weird to call him daddy. Like my three-year-old uh, daughter, Kinley, uh, she calls me daddy. Uh, as a matter of fact, earlier today, she had escaped from preschool. She told the teachers that she was going potty. 
and she snuck out and was in the lobby all by herself. And I just happened to come out of the feuds room the same time, and I saw her leaning against one of the pillars, and she's the only one in the lobby. And I'm like, Kimley, what are you doing out here? <laughs> and I was, I was worried. I was scared. Like, she almost got in trouble for being out here by herself. And she looked at me, and she said, Dad, I wanted to come out here and give you a hug. And honestly, that's what she said. If you know Kinley, my daughter, like she gives the best hugs and she is the sweetest. But she calls me daddy, daddy when she saw me walk out. I just wanted to give you a hug and, and I couldn't be mad. Instead, I was, I was moved. I was moved because my daughter not only is calling me daddy, daddy with this affectionate term, but she, she longs to be with me. That is what Paul is saying is, by, by this we cry out because we long to be with our Father. My second point is, God's Spirit makes us his sons and daughters, not his slaves. God's Spirit makes us his sons and daughters, not his slaves. Let's look at slaves for a second. Slavery is doing something only out of obedience because you're afraid. You're afraid of the consequences if you don't do this. That's slavery. While the other thing is doing something because you trust someone because they have your best interest at heart. Again, talking about Kinley, um, she loves her hair down and curly. Like, she likes when we comb it, and it's just curly, and it's down. She does not like when we put it up in a bun or, or you know, put any sort of, uh, what do you call it? When you, like, like do her hair. I don't know. I'm a guy. <laughs> Kristen does that stuff. Uh, I can put it in a bun just fine. It'll look great. But Kaylee likes her hair down and curly. The problem, though, with down and curly is we have to comb it out, and it hurts. Like, she's mixed. She doesn't have straight hair, so it's hard, and it hurts, and she cries. And, it, like, it's painful, and it pains us when we do it. Uh, and so we tell Kinley, okay, Kinley, how do you want your hair? I want it down and curly. Um, we, ha- we actually have a slow-mo video of her. It's uh, excited. This is her. <laughs> she jumps every time her hair is down and curled. I decided to catch it on camera this one time when she was at preschool. That's what she likes to do with her hair. That's it down and (laughs) curly. Look at that joy. Look at that joy in her face. And then later that week, like, she knew I recorded this, and she would always ask to to see the video. She's like, Dad, show me the video of me jumping down and curly. Um, And then I'll show it to her. And then there she's again at home later that week after she got a shower. She's like, Dad, jump, jump, jump. Uh, So so that's Kinley. She loves it down and curly. But here's the problem. It hurts. It hurts, and then the other problem is she takes naps during the day, and maybe some of you girls can understand this, but when you take a nap and you're rolling and tossing over, you wake up with, with bed hair or bed head, and, and Kinley's hair goes from down and curly to up and crazy, okay? So I'm like, Kinley, listen, here's what I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm doing this for your benefit. Let me just put it in a bun because it's not going to hurt, and it's not going to look wild and crazy after your nap. You're going to enjoy it for like three hours, and then the next three hours, you're, you're not. Here's, how, here's why I say that. Because everything that God asks of you is for your own benefit. 
Everything God asks for you is for your own benefit. He's not trying to um, cramp your style. He's not trying to rip you off. He's not trying to uh, not make you enjoy life or enjoy the fullness of your life as you would be tempted to think. Everything he does is for your own benefit. Here's the difference. Do what I say for my benefit. That's being a slave. You do what I want you to do for my benefit. That's slave. But what Jesus, what God wants is, God wants you to do what I say for your benefit. That's sonship. That's daughter. He's looking out for your best interest, not his. This is the relationship God wants to have with us. But we, on the other hand, we want to live in the shadows. We want the freedom to make our own decisions. We want the freedom to spend the money the way we want to. We want the freedom to date whoever we want to. We want the freedom to have sex whenever we want to. We want the freedom to work wherever we want. We want the freedom to smoke whatever we want, to drink whatever we want. We want the freedom to wear whatever we want to wear. We we want the freedom to go wherever we want to go and have the friends that we want. God's in the light. He says he has something better for you. He has a question for you. Do you trust me? Do you trust God with your life, with your freedom? He's your dad. He cares about you. He loves you. Verse 17 continues. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Point number three, the benefit of being God's children. There are two benefits of being God's children, I w- at least that I want to point out. There's, there's more benefits, but there's two that I'm going to highlight tonight. Benefit number one is you can trust him in suffering. You can trust him in suffering. You might think suffering, I don't want to hear about no suffering. I want to hear about this fullness of life. Like, give me all the good stuff. Suffering doesn't sound that appealing. But unfortunately, you're going to have to suffer in this world. Jesus promises us that. And if we're going to live like Christ, like he suffered and he overcame his suffering. And so you can too. There's no going around suffering, but it's not a bad thing to suffer. It's not a bad thing to suffer and be in pain. You suffer all the time without trying to like embarrass or shame anyone. How many of you guys work out? Like you go to the gym occasionally, like maybe once a year at least. Okay, so quite a few of you. Like Corey and John, they work out at, at, at CrossFit all the time. Some of you guys, you, you're committed to that. I tried. And after like a couple times, the suffering was too much, and I quit. I couldn't do it. Honestly, man, I'm like, I can't breathe. And Sam Dancer is like, all right, Dre, Dre, you got this. And I'm like, Sam, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. My asthma is coming back. Like, I'm dying. I'm dying. Like, he's giving this free of charge. And I'm like, man, I can't even do this for free. Like, I'm done. But you know what it's like. I, like, suffering isn't fun, but suffering brings fruit. It's, it's similar to preparing for a marathon. Like, like, you're running and you know it's hard, but you're 
pushing through it and you're persevering because every time you push and every time you persevere, you get stronger and you build more muscles and you're able to go farther next time. And the same is true. Likewise, suffering for Christ produces spiritual perseverance. It produces spiritual endurance. In Romans 5, verse 3 to 4, it says this, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We take pride. We're excited about our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Like there is a point to our suffering. We're not just suffering in vain. It leads to something and it's leading to perseverance. It's leading to character and it's leading to hope and it's hope that is found in Christ, in that eternal destination that we are heading, which brings me to benefit number two, which is you share in his glory as heirs with Christ. See, back when Paul was writing this and he's using this word, like we don't really use the word. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I say heirs, I say heirs. I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, He's talking about just this idea of you're going to get this inheritance one day. Like there's, there's, there's something waiting for you. Maybe more modern day talk, it'd probably be like trust fund. Like you were born into this wealthy family, like generational wealth, like old money. Like you just have money on top of money and you're just born into it. You just got lucky. Like you don't have to work ever. You get this regardless, no matter what. And that's what Paul is saying. Is as children of God, one of the benefits is we share in this glory. We've been adopted by the one who has eternal riches. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who dwell inside of it. He owns everything. And you get to inherit that. You're an heir to the kingdom. You have a claim to the throne because you are sons, because you are daughters of the king of kings. And there is no other title out there. Nothing else that you will chase after. Sorry about that. Got a little too excited. But there is nothing else that you will chase after. There's no position, no title, no CEO or manager of what that can compare to daughter of God, that can compare to son of God. There's also nothing in your past, no label that anyone has placed on you that can ever take away this identity that you have in Christ, you being a son and a daughter no past life, no past sin, no past reputation. When you are adopted into the family of God and you become a son and daughter of God, that new identity carries on through all eternity. Prince William doesn't have anything over you. 
Princess Diana ain't got nothing on you. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. So as we wrap this up, here's what you need to know. If you're here, and just like me, you struggle with this sometimes. You struggle with this truth. For many of you, you need to be reminded. There's two groups of people here tonight. And for many of you, you need to be reminded that you are sons and daughters of God, that even if you have drifted off from your relationship with the Father, even if you forgot what you committed to when you stood in that baptistry, and you feel like over the last few weeks or months or years, you, you've been trying to follow the rules more than following the Spirit. You need to be reminded tonight that you are sons and daughters of God, that He loves you, that He died for your sins, that He wants you to follow Him actively. He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness for your benefit. And others of you, you're creation, but you're not yet children of God. You haven't made that decision. Man, I'd be happy if you decided tonight. Like, you've been coming to collective long enough. You've been coming to church and hearing the gospel message long enough. But more than me, <laughs> there are angels in heaven, and there's a lot of people in this room who would be celebrating you coming into this relationship with the Father and accepting this title, accepting this identity as sons and daughters of the King, sons and daughters of God, and wearing that with pride and celebrating and experiencing that glory that we're going to enjoy for all eternity. I'm going to finish with this. God sent his son. We just celebrated this. He sent his son to die on the cross to adopt you into his family, to pay the punishment of all of your sins. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter what love you feel from your earthly parents. It doesn't matter if you haven't gotten much, you feel like you've been full. It, it pales in comparison to how much God loves you. you know, earlier this morning, my mom called wasn't going to talk about this. <sighs> My mom called and she said, Andre, will you pray for me? Because your dad and I, we have a counseling appointment. And we're going to meet with someone. This is the first time in ever, decades, in over 30 years they've been married, that they've ever sought counseling. My dad has been abusive with his words, with his actions. <coughs> he has misspent, mishandled money. He's been a source of frustration and anger for me for a very, very long time, even longer for my mom. But in that moment, my mom asked, can you pray for me? Can you pray for us as we go into this? I froze 
and it was very hard for me to even think about this sermon for the rest of the day, I honestly was in a funk. I was. It's because of just how little love I felt from my heavenly, my earthly father. And it took me pushing through that and arriving at the same truth that I'm communicating to you tonight, no matter what kind of relationship you have, God loves you so much. No matter how you've been following him, he wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants that identity on your life. He wants you to feel the love that he has for you. But you have to respond to him. So I know the steps are always open. There's always going to be people here. But what are you going to do tonight? Can you just, like me, make sure you don't leave here the same way that you came in? Man, I've been wrestling through this all day. Like, honestly, I've been in a funk. If you saw me today, you probably saw something different. Like, I wasn't myself. Like, this message is for me as much as it is for you. So as we pray, as we wrap this up, don't just stand and worship. Like, move. Accept this truth that you are the son and daughter of the king of kings. Like, you have a dad in heaven who loves you, and you can say, Father, you can reach your hands up and say, Daddy, Daddy, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. You can get down on your knees and say, help me to follow you, follow after you, and not just follow the rules. I want to follow you. I want what you want for me, not what I want for myself. Will you guys stand? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for loving us no matter what. No matter how much we mess up, no matter how much we forget who, you are, who, who we are and who you've called us to be, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience. That you're always there with your outstretched arms ready for us to cry, Father, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And I pray that we run to you, that we allow your love to wash over us, that we accept this identity that you placed over our lives, that we are sons and we are daughters. We're your son and we're your daughter, and it means something. It doesn't matter what our relationship here on earth looks like. Everything else pales. Every title pales. Every label pales in comparison to who we are in you. So we thank you for this truth. And I pray that we leave here holding on firmly to that. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.